0: everyone and welcome to episode seven of my podcast every which way my name is Dana and today today I'm going to be talking about something that has always fascinated me and uh, that I personally didn't know a whole lot about and I'm really excited to talk about it I'm not gonna lie but before I get into the topic at hand (laughs) uh, I want to ask how are you guys doing you, you doing okay you, you had you had an okay week weekend everything going all right you taking care of yourself making sure that uh, you know everything's going okay giving yourself breaks giving yourself hugs what are you drinking right now I have a, a nice hot cup of tea it's um, called Wiccan woman tea I, I got it just today actually. Uh, at Sacred Moon Circle Apothecary, which I freaking love, and it is very, very good. Oh yeah, I recommend that. I recommend that ton. I've got one of my Hecate candles burning. It's a uh, I got that from a, an online shop called Fa- Prairie Fire Herbal, and they are gorgeous. And yeah, I'm doing. You know, I had a really good day today. I uh, I went to a a woman's circle and it was they're all they're all always amazing but today was just spectacular so on to the show shall we today I'm going to be talking about bone reading also called throwing bones or Osteomancy. The exact origins, as far as where it first originated, I suppose, are unclear. But a lot of people, a lot of scholars, speculate that probably from African tribes is is a bet. But this is something that cultures from all over the globe have practiced. Um, possibly. There's evidence that it was used by South American tribes and indigenous American tribes as well. Also by Norse witches and seers. And it's it's a lot. <laughs> it's, it's actually really cool. Um, during the Shang Dynasty in China, around 1600 to 1050 BCE, um, they practiced bone reading, specifically using the shoulder blade or scapula of oxen. And cra- questions would be written on the bone, and then thrown into fire. And diviners would get answers from the cracks in the bone that were made by the heat, which I think is pretty pretty cool. Uh, some cultures did burn the bones and the priests or shamans would scry from the ashes. That was called pyroosteomancy. Alrighty. And pyroosteomancy actually dates back to prehistoric East, East and Northeast Asia, North America, and Eurasia. The Celts, or Celts, used sheep or fox shoulders to read messages from the cracks formed when the bones themselves burnt hot enough. Uh, some Mongol, some tribes in Mongolia had a set of numerous four-sided bones that were cast at the same time, and each of the different sides had a marking on it, which could result in different readings and answers and all that good jazz. Um, The ancient Chinese, going back to them, used turtle shells also to predict how crops would turn out, advise the military on battle strategies, and to help assist the royal family in national issues. And it's thought that the symbols or drawings that were etched in the turtle shells and the bones that the Chinese used are the origins of the Chinese language. Uh, Sorry, I had to take another sip of tea. Uh, Bone reading is referenced in the ancient text, Japanese Records of Ancient Matters, or Kojiki, as a way for the heavenly deities to speak with the lesser gods of the area. See here. Uh, African slaves brought bone ring to the United States and they would use chicken or possum bones. It was also used by ancient Greeks and Serbs, which is still used today. And there have been a few records from warriors of the Greek War of Independence that, ref- that referred reference to people to reading the bones at feasts, that was a real popular popular thing that they liked to do. Uh, there are sites in Mongolia dating back to 3322 BC documenting pyromanic sculpiomancy. and sculpiomancy is specifically when the shoulder bones are used to divine. And they were referenced in divination manuals. Alrighty. Next page. Doo, doo, doo. There we go. Ah, yeah. So. Oh, goodness. I'm going to butcher this. I just know it. Uh, scapulae. 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 Scapulae were used in divination along the coast and on islands of the Korean Peninsula during the Korean Proto-Historic Period. And that was around 300 BCE to 300 or 400 CE. In In North America, there's evidence of bone divination and rituals at sacred sites of the Naskapi Inu, and the Eastern Cree peoples. The Naskapi Inu were usually st- oh, goodness, around the Quebec Labrador Peninsula area, and they used sculptomancy and similar divination practices to help predict weather events or personal health and also for religious practices. Sculpeomancy was also used to, excuse me, aid in hunting to assure a sufficient food supply during the winter. The, uh, and other smaller practices were used before the ritual of the Sculpeomancy to kind of, I guess, prepare or get the space right to do it. The Eastern Cree, uh, some communities used porcupine scapulae exclusively in bone reading. Caribou remains were used only by shamans, but these were not used in rituals involving the deceased shamans. And for the Cree, bone reading was typically used to foresee specific future events. And that's not as much history as I was able to actually find. Unfortunately, I couldn't get a more detailed historical timeline. Most of the sites that I used for my research were mostly on how to make them and how to throw them and everything, which I will talk about, but that was pretty much all I could take for the history, which kind of disappointed me. I'm not going to lie. So, but (laughs) time was a little... (laughs) constricted this week due to work circumstances, but in the future, I will definitely come back to this and update on this, on as far as the historical, if that's what y'all want. All right, now, so bone reading is a means of foretelling the future or divining the past. It's pretty much bone throwing, and it's literally just to cast a collection of bones but not just bones it could also be seashells stones or other items onto a hard surface and then interpreting messages from the emerging patterns now a bone reading is very intuitive it's not like a tarot deck or an oracle deck where it has a specific where each piece has a specific meaning and a guidebook that is kind of like universal. Like, if I were to pull the tower card from a tarot deck, most people kind of, who are intimate with tarot or use it often, kind of know what the general gist of the tower means. But in bone reading, there's no such thing, because it's so intuitive. And very very personal and the reason for that is because it's based on animism which is a spiritual belief that everything on earth has a spiritual value and that also coincides with ancestor worship so when owning a bone set specifically for divination there's this understanding that goes with it that it's tied as you know as for the set that it's tied to one or many animal spirits and i think that makes sense because they are literally bones some traditions have bones with symbols or etchings on them and would draw them from a bag or a bowl and analyze by the order that they're drawn from Typically smaller bones were used to do that. Uh, And again, it's not just bones. You can use seashells, even modern day trinkets. If you aren't comfortable using actual bones, you could use stones or acorns or marbles or buttons or clothespins or thimbles. or Heck, even sticks or something. Or even uh, cinnamon. Cinnamon sticks. Because they resemble something bones. But they don't actually have to be bones themselves if you're not comfortable using them. Okay? Now, as I've said before, it is a highly intuitive practice. So, bone sets... going to be personal. Very much personal. And as a result, no two readings and sets are going to be the same. Uh, Let's see here. Sorry, my notes are kind of all over the place, as is my mind at the moment. But okay, so... The individual pieces aren't as important so much as how they fall, where they touch, the distance or lack thereof of each piece to help answer the question. And the most vital step of bone reading is actually creating your own set. And this makes sense because if this is an intuitive more intuitive than tarot or oracle, then it would make sense that it would rely more on your intuition. So let's say that you want to make your own bone set for divination. How would, how would you go about that? First, let's, let's start at the very beginning. Where would you get your bones? Well, there's a few, there are a few options. Um, You could probably, one of the easiest is a butcher or a slaughterhouse. But from the resources that I read, these are not usually considered great options due to the condition and the treatment of the animals. So with bone reading, you kind of, for me, it's like with tarot cards, you want to have a good rapport with them. You want them to feel your energy and kind of get to know you. And they have to be willing to do that. You can't just you wouldn't just go up to a, a a horse and if it was not in the mood and just jump on its back and expect it to giddy up like a little pony, that wouldn't work. More likely you'd get kicked. If that makes any sense. But aside from the butcher or slaughterhouse, um, you could acquire bones on a hunting trip. Uh, or in metaphysical shops. Even Etsy has some for sale but make sure that you're doing your research and not just buying the first one that you see because it looks good or it's cheap or something make sure you do your research or you could collect them yourself like on a hike or from a pet that may have passed away you could save some of their bones and have that connection with them it's very heavily based on having a connection with the animal spirit or spirits that you'll be working with. That's that's the bread and butter of this. And again, if you don't if you're not comfortable using real bones, and hey, totally get it, okay? You can you can use fake bones, or again, cinnamon sticks or sticks or marbles, stuff like that. All right, so let's say let's say that you have your bones what what would the next step be after getting them well you're going to want to cleanse them and you're going to want to cleanse them in a variety of different ways now i'm not saying you have to use all these ways but there are a variety of different ways to cleanse them so you can use incense you can burn herbs and use the smoke to smoke cleanse them you could leave the bones in salt you could bury them in in the earth yeah where else would you bury them in the water (laughs) no you could bury them in in the ground and let them be cleansed that way you could set them out in the Sun or the moonlight but don't set them out too long cuz that could damage them you could sound cleanse them with a drum or bells or your own vocal cords if that's what you so desire Or you could cleanse them with water, but again, don't use too much because it could very well damage them. (coughs) Excuse me, I have to take a drink. My throat is so dry right now. Mm. Alright, so after you cleanse the bones, you're going to want to bless them. And you can do this however really you see fit. If you want to do a a big to-do ritual, you're more than welcome. If you want to cast a circle and invoke the elements to do that, also, very valid way. If you want to vocalize your intention to them, also a good a good one. You can anoint them with oil, Stuff stuff like that. Whatever you feel is a good way to bless them, go for it. You're gonna wanna, you're gonna want to, after that, you're gonna wanna carry them with you. So they get to, oh, excuse me, goodness. So they get to know your energy. But again, be careful with that because if you're experiencing a bad day, you're going to want to have to cleanse them afterwards because you don't want that icky negativity on them. And after that, if you want, you can decorate them. And again, this is a highly intuitive process. If you want to inscribe symbols on them, go for it. If you want to paint on them or draw on them by all means, if you want to glue stuff on them, you're more than welcome to. Just make sure that you use acid-free glue, or the bones might develop yellow stains and stuff like that, and you don't want that. You want your set looking as nice for as long as you can. But however you want to decorate them, they're, they're yours. It's You're going to be using this set, so you can pretty much do whatever you want with them. And that's pretty much it. Um, in addition to all of that, you if you want to, you can give them a name. Like say this is Rachel. This is my set. Their name's Rachel. They're they're really good at giving me advice and 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 guiding me. And they're kind of like a kick in the teeth, but they're they're my friend and I love them. I don't know why that was the first name that popped into my head, but there you go. There you go. Have that. Um, If you want to assign them genders, you're more than welcome to do that. But you don't have to if you don't want to. This This is your set. You can do whatever you want with them. If you want to call them Ricky Bobby, by all means. That being said, please be careful of cultural appropriation. Because while throwing bones in and of itself is not a closed practice, some, there are some cultures and rituals that when using them are specific to that culture. So for example, if you are not born into a family line that practices voodoo, You are not permitted to learn or do the rituals of that practice because you're not born into it. Now, if you want to, I guess learn was a bad word. If you want to just read about it, you can, but (coughs) it's Specifically, some of the things are just for those people born into that. And I think that's fair. Alright, so... Like, back to the cultural appropriation. Um, I have some examples. Like, coyote spirit. That is something that is sacred to the North American Native populations. And unless you are born into with native blood it's discouraged for you to use that as it is their sacred animal the jaguar from Mexico and South America is sacred to the Guarani nation and unless you're born into that nation's blood you probably, definitely should not be using those bones. Especially since you know it's an endangered species, it's illegal to have those bones. (coughs) Now, when you cast your bones, you're going to want to do so on a prepared surface. And you're going to want to throw them after you've asked a question. And depending on how they land, gives you your answer and again for like the millionth time this is very intuitive if you feel like you ask a question like should i have pizza tonight and you throw the bones if you feel like they're saying nah you probably shouldn't then that's the answer (coughs) excuse me sorry i didn't mean for that to sound sorry as sarcastic as it came out really didn't. But if you have bones that have different sides, you can have one side mean yes, another side mean no, or another side mean maybe. It it all depends on you and how you interpret it. And so with that, they should represent something important to you and should be roughly around the same size. They don't have to be, but it's usually a good thing to have them around the same size. Uh, One method I was able to find is called the Four Directions Method. So on your surface, you can separate it into East, South, West, and North. So the, the different directions. And you can toss your objects onto them, onto that surface. And depending on where they land, that gives you an answer. So for example, if you were to toss, let's say you're not using actual bones, but you're using like little kids toys or something because you have like a little baby. So you have a rattle. Let's say that rattle lands in the North Quadrant. Well, someone might be pregnant or trying to get pregnant or something like that, and that's just an example. <coughs> oh, goodness. And that's pretty much all I have for you today, as far as this, but I was actually really very fascinated, and I learned a whole heck of a lot when doing research, mostly about the actual creating casting, but still. I thought it was pretty cool. And it was different. It's something different. I myself have a, uh, excuse me, I have a set of runes that are carved into bones and they are really cool and so precious and I love, I love just, just having them and, and using them. They're very precious to me, but they were ethically sourced. So. Yeah, that's all I got for you on that, at least for right now. Who knows, maybe I'll come back and revisit some of these early episodes when I get good and stuff. But, it's time now to do our draw for the week. And this time I'm using the Witch's Oracle by Marla Brooks. That's the deck I'm using. So let's give it a nice little. I did shuffle it before I started recording, but let's do it again. Why the hell not? Right? Alrighty. Can you hear that? Is the mic picking up on that sweet ASMRS? Alright. Ooh! This one is one I haven't drawn before. It's Hippogriff. Oh my goodness, one of the things I love about Oracle and Tarot decks is the artwork. The artwork is just so good. Alright, so let's see, Hippogriff. The Hippogriff is a legendary creature, supposedly the offspring of a griffin and a mare. The Hippogriff has its legs firmly on the ground but is clumsy until it spreads its majestic wings and soars high into the sky, where it is king. (coughs) It is a symbol of our higher self, which raises us up from being egocentric to heavenly, and -hmm. can rise to tremendous spiritual heights. Be careful, though. The hippogriff has sharp claws and and needs to be shown great respect and caution. In a few medieval legends, when this fantastic creature makes an appearance is because it very very may well be the pet of either a knight or a sorcerer. Meaning, the Hippogriff warns that people are not seeing you as you really are because lately you have been quote unquote grounded. Your spirits are are down and only your awakened, ungainly side is on display it's time to take to the air and fly. The crystal for this is the Peacock Ore. (coughs) Peacock Ore, a common name for ores of iron and copper, is seemingly ordinary until it oxidizes, wherein it reveals vivid shades of gold, red, and peacock blue. This stone inspires curiosity, expands the mind and has a balancing effect on those people who seem too grounded or afraid to reveal their true selves. The incantation is, I spread my wings and now I soar out of the doldrums with a loud roar, roar. The higher I get, the freer I'll be. When I'm lighter than, than air, I can be the real me. And I love that so much. Well, I thank you all for joining me, and I will see you next episode. Please feel free to check out my uh, Facebook page for the podcast and all that good jazz. So, until next week, ta-ta for now, and have a magically marvelous Monday. Bye-bye.